And welcome to the WDW Radio Show, your Walt Disney World information station. I am your host, Lou Mangiello, and this is show number 261 for the week of February 12th, 2012. With the Academy Awards coming up soon, I thought it would be interesting to take a look at Walt Disney and the Oscars. Recorded live at Disney's Hollywood Studios in Walt Disney World, Jim Corcus and I look at and discuss the history of the award ceremony, Walt's unparalleled achievements, the Oscars that can be found at the studios and elsewhere, stories about Walt at the Academy Awards, and much, much more. I'll also share the three announcements we made during this past weekend's live five-year anniversary event in Walt Disney World before playing more of your voicemails at the end of the show. So sit back relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WDW Radio Show. Gala event, unusual even for Hollywood. The world premiere of Walt Disney's Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. Rarely has Hollywood been so agog over the opening of a motion picture. The town's been talking about it for months. Practically the entire movie colony will be at the opening tonight, and you're going along, too, as we take you to the Carthay Circle Theater for the premiere of Walt Disney's full-length Technicolor production, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. We take you now to the Carthay Circle Theater. famous quote by Walt Disney always asks us and reminds us that it was all started by a mouse, but in fact, it was all started by Walt Disney. Walt Disney, first and foremost, was a master storyteller. And while we experience Walt Disney World in sort of a 3D storytelling environment, oftentimes in which we are active participants, he began by telling his story in two dimensions, uh, in, in film, in animation, and in shorts. And over the years, that mastery of storytelling was recognized in many ways. And with the Academy Awards coming up very soon, we thought it would be fun and take an interesting look back at Walt Disney and his connection to the Academy Awards. And of course, what better place to record this 
than the animation gallery here at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And of course, what better person to record this with than, of course, Jim Corcus. He is the author of The Vault and Walt. He's a contributor to Celebrations Magazine, frequent guest on the show, and good friend. Of course, Jim, welcome back. Well, you know, Lou, you told me it was going to be fun. It, it's around the time of the Oscars, and uh, of course, that's when people, you know, talk about Walt and all the Oscars that he won in the past. But I didn't realize you were going to insist that we dress in these tuxedos. And, you know, I'm, I'm wearing a cummerbund, and there's a lot more Jim Corcus than there is cummerbund. I'm, I'm telling you that right now. So, you know, I'm still going to try and keep my happy face as, as, as uh, uh, we go uh, to this. And Jim, I'm telling you, you and I single-handedly are going to bring back the top hat and monocle. I'll just keep, you look, like, trust me, you look like Mr. Peanut, but just keep walking around the park and you can bring back the monocle. Well, I was hoping to look like James Bond or George Clooney <laughs> rather than Homer Simpson, but that's okay. And again, as a California boy, um, I actually uh, attended some of the uh, Academy Award uh, um, uh, the presentations as as a screaming fan uh, uh, along the uh, uh, side there. However, I was uh, an extra in a uh, live action short uh, that was nominated for an Academy Award. Did not win, but was nominated. And if any of your listeners uh, can dig that up, uh, I'll have a very special uh, surprise. For them. Condor Man. It was with the Condor. <laughs> oh no! I, the, the Condor Man. Uh, costume is still in, in, in the closet for when I find that right woman uh, who, who has just that right sense of humor to appreciate that. Um, well, Walt, uh, Walt uh, well, Lou, what, what do you know about uh, Walt and uh, the Academy Awards? Do you have any idea? Uh, he, he was, of course, uh, the one individual who won the most uh, Academy Awards as an individual. Do you have any idea how many of those are? Yeah, I, well, we know that, again, you know, I talked, I preface this by saying he was very much recognized in many circles, but certainly the, the pinnacle is the Academy Awards. And he holds numerous records as far as uh, individual nominations at 59, the number that was awarded at 22. He also received four honorary Oscars uh, dating back as early. For 1931, he received an Oscar uh, for creating Mickey Mouse. I mean, that's how important the Academy felt that was. And as we talk about us sitting here sort of in this gallery, that Oscar actually sits here. In 1938, he received one for Snow White for significant screen innovations. And again, we'll talk about uh, why that award itself, that award for Snow White was significant in and of itself. 1941, for the sound in Fantasia, and also that year he received the highest honor, which is the Irving G. Thalberg Memorial Award. Well, that's all I've got to say. We're going to wrap Good night, everybody. We're done. Good night, everybody. This is fine. (laughs) I actually have a few more things to say. In fact, do you know um, where the largest private collection of Academy Awards are outside of Hollywood? The largest private collection? I'm, you're looking at me like, Lou, you're going to say what you think is right, but it's going to be a wrong, a stupid answer. But I'm going to throw out there the Walt Disney Family Museum. Absolutely correct. And, and in fact, I had uh, uh, the wonderful opportunity to uh, go out there and uh, speak in uh, July of 2011. And uh, they've said they're going to be uh, inviting me back. And it's really impressive to see uh, all of those Oscars because, again, they belong to Walt, you know, uh, up, and they really do belong to Walt because 
what happened in the last couple of decades here is the Academy was upset that people were selling their Oscars. So now when you get an Oscar, you are not given the Oscar until you sign the waiver mm-hmm. that if you, you or your heirs decide to get rid of the Oscar, you sell it back to the Academy for $1. However, before that uh, uh, form went into uh, effect, and and Walt had passed away long before that form was even created, uh, Oscars could be sold. So just recently, um, uh, Orson Welles' uh, Oscar for the uh, screenplay, best screenplay for Citizen uh, Kane, sold for several hundred thousand dollars for that. But yes, that's very impressive. Now, uh, for those who don't know, the the background of the uh, Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences was, uh, was a concept of uh, Louis B. Mayer, who was a movie producer, because films really weren't getting um, uh, much a, a appreciation. They, they, they were considered uh, fairly lowbrow uh, entertainment and all that. So he, he felt that there should be an organization uh, created to give status uh, and respect to the motion picture uh, uh, industry, which is why even today uh, films that get nominated for Academy Award are not the, the ones that create the biggest gross at the box office or, or whatever. They're, they're the ones that are supposed to... Um, it's not about commerce, it's about art. It's about, you know... Uh, uh, what's going to promote uh, the art. And so uh, May 1929 is when uh, the uh, um, first nameless awards, they weren't called Oscars in those days, were given out. And um, in 1932, because they kept expanding categories, in 1932 they created the uh, short subjects uh, 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 award category, and there were three categories, uh, cartoons, comedy, and novelty, and the cartoon era was uh, created specifically uh, for Walt Disney, to, because Walt Disney was doing such amazing things in short animated cartoons that they wanted to acknowledge that and recognize that. And, you know, there's a, a little bit of... Uh, uh, a misunderstanding there when people go, well, Walt won, you know, 22 uh, Academy Awards, and those are ones that he won personally. It's it's not like Julie Andrews winning Best Actress for Mary Poppins, and that's a Disney film, so that could count towards the Disney thing. These were the ones that Walt got personally, but he was nominated 59 times, and you go, wow. That, but that's sort of misleading because sometimes multiple Disney cartoons were nominated in the same year. So, for instance, in 1938, uh, uh, the, the nominees for Best cartoon were Brave Little Taylor, wonderful Mickey Mouse uh, cartoon, uh, iconic cartoon, Mother Goose Goes Hollywood, which was a, a special favorite, especially for those in the Hollywood community, uh, Good Scouts, which was a Donald Duck cartoon, and Ferdinand the Bull. Ferdinand the Bull won, but you have three other cartoons, so that's where some of those nominations are, and, and, and you don't uh, have that. And uh, Disney continued winning um, the uh, cartoon uh, uh, animated uh, short cartoon award from 1932 to uh, 1939 which was the ugly duckling in 1940 broke the streak no disney cartoons were were nominated the the winner was milky way which was a uh, an mgm cartoon about uh, cute little uh, kittens who dream about going in a a little boat through the, the or a balloon i guess through the, the the milky way the other two cartoons that didn't win was puss gets the boot which was the original Tom and Jerry cartoon, and um, A Wild Hair, which is officially considered the first Bugs Bunny cartoon. But uh, let's talk a little bit about 1932 and, and Flowers and Trees, and um, because that's uh, that's such an uh, important uh, milestone, uh, you know, a cartoon using uh, three-strip Technicolor and... Uh, uh, 
it, it, sometimes it's a hard sit nowadays to sit through flowers and trees, but, but it was there. But at that uh, ceremony, the, uh, the ceremony for the 1932 awards, uh, Walt established one of his first milestones. Uh, he was given a special award for the creation of Mickey Mouse. Um, that was only the, the second time that a special award had been created. The first one was for Charlie Chaplin and his contribution. Charlie Chaplin was actually supposed to present the award to Walt and was, of course, a hero of Walt's. And for some reason, Charlie Chaplin just decided to stay home that night. And then also uh, Flowers and Trees, of course, won uh, as best short subject. And in, right up until 1941, the winners knew ahead of time. And the reason the winners knew ahead of time is you had to let the newspaper people know so that they could meet their deadlines for the newspaper the next day and all that. And so since Walt knew that he was going to win twice uh, in 1932, and the milestone there is, my gosh, this is the first person in Academy Award history who takes home two Academy Awards. At, at one ceremony, um, Walt created a, a little two-and-a-half-minute short called uh, Parade of the Award Nominees. I, I think uh, it, it's an extra on one of the Disney Treasures uh, uh, section. And basically what happened is uh, they caricature uh, the nominees for Best Actor and Best Actress, and they have Mickey Mouse in color for the first time. So this is 32. This is years before band concert. He's wearing green shorts, and he's walking down a red carpet and following are, are, the, are these characters caricatures uh, of all of this and uh, the newspapers uh, the next day said um, the cartoon got a huge laugh and in fact judging by applause uh, the two people that uh, ju- that the Academy just absolutely went crazy for uh, were Walt Disney and uh, Helen Hayes who won uh, Best Actress uh, in, in those years and um, uh, another significant Oscar was the one for uh, uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. You, you've seen that in person, right? And for years, uh, many guests who came through the uh, animation gallery were able to see that as well. Because as you come out uh, from what is now the Animation Academy or you walk through the exhibit, in this uh, one area here, which is I sort of refer to it as the Snow White Room because on the four, on two of the four walls are shadow boxes with images of concept art and drawings from Snow White. But in the center of this room is a round plexiglass case that holds three tiers of Oscars, uh, some of which we've, we learned today are, are duplicates. Some were actually original, including the, the 1931 for the creation of Mickey Mouse. But at a time, it showed the very special Oscar that was created for Snow White because it had a single full-size Oscar and seven smaller miniature Oscars next to it. And uh, it was moved for a time over to the... Um one man's dream attraction, and and now it's on display at the, the Disney Family Museum at the Presidio in San Francisco. And I cannot recommend highly enough that you go uh, visit uh, that museum. Wonderfully designed, and and the uh, staff that work there are professional, and they're pleasant, and um, really captures uh, the, the feel of uh, of Walt. And um, what happened, of course, was uh, Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs was uh, the highest grossing movie of all time so the Academy felt we've got to acknowledge this but we don't want to nominate it for best picture this is a cartoon we don't want to give it you know uh, all of that what, what, what are we going to let alone give it an award for that that'll never happen that'll never happen cartoons that, those are for kids um <laughs> At the time, the Academy president was uh, director Frank Capra, and so he came up with the idea of 
we're going to give a, a special award, and the special award will be the the one big Oscar, and then seven little Oscars going down, you know, sort of a dis- descending wooden, uh, you know, uh, plateau uh, over there. And um, even though Walt was very insistent that he didn't make cartoons just for kids, he made them for the entire family. They thought we're going to have the top child star Shirley Temple do the presentation, uh, representing all of the children of the world that uh, that that would would do this. Uh, now Shirley Temple was about ten, eleven years old at that time, and so and she was given her dinner there at the academy at five o'clock. But now it's hours before she has to give that award, and uh, uh, she told animation historian uh, John Culhane that you know she got really bored. She'd be sitting there and, and counting how many men in the room had mustaches and. Uh, what people were wearing or, or not wearing. She was referring to Jean Harlow and a couple of the, those others at that point. And she took a hard roll and she was crumbling it into little itty-bitty bits. It, and then she took her mother's hard roll off her plate and was crumbling that and, you know, and building up a little pyramid in front of her and you know that type of thing. But she went up there and she, again, really professional. We've seen film clips of that where she has that and she removes the... Um, uh, the cloth from the awards and goes, oh, Mr. Disney, you know, isn't it bright and bright and shiny, you know? Uh, and uh, somebody asked her, you know, well, did somebody write that for you? And she said, no, unfortunately, I came up with those things <laughs> myself. She said, in those days, people, you know, uh, knew how to ad lib and uh, improvise. She said, I'm sure that those people who knew they were going to win an award probably wrote out what their acceptance speech was, which was a lot uh, shorter in, in those days. But she said it really bothered her for the rest of the night once she did that because she thought the big Oscar was for Walt and the little seven ones were for the dwarves, but that Snow White didn't get an Oscar. And so for years, she was a little upset that Snow White was not there and Snow White did not get her her Oscar. And, um, you know, you were talking about uh, honorary awards. We just talked about the, the creation of Mickey Mouse. In, in 1942, um, Walt got another uh, honorary award, the uh, Irving Thalberg Award. Do you know anything about that, Lou? Other than that, it's, from what I understand, sort of the highest honor of an Oscar. It's sort of a, a Lifetime Achievement Award Oscar. It, it is. It, and, and that's interesting that you say Lifetime Achievement because Walt was the youngest person to ever receive it. It's not given every year. Uh, it started in 1937, and it was, it was to uh, honor Irving Thalberg, who was a, um, a, a producer over at uh, MGM Studios, and he was responsible for some of the most magnificent uh, uh, films, and so people always felt, you know, uh, very sad when he passed away, you know, much, uh, much too young. So um, uh, this was a, a huge, uh, huge honor, uh, and David Oselznick, the producer, uh, uh, presented that, and when he presented it, uh, you know, he, he basically said, you know, uh, Walt has, has just been magnificent, and, and, you know, especially Fantasia, which introduced the music of uh, Beethoven and Bach and Tchaikovsky, you know, uh, it, it really contributed to the musical education of the the entire uh, uh, public. And Walt came up, and Walt started crying. In fact, the next day in Daily Variety, the headline uh, uh, was "Walt Disney weeps as he gets Oscar," and. Um, 
uh, Walt was saying, well, thank you so much for this. And then interestingly, and, and this is a quote that, that we never see used by Walt. He, he said, uh, maybe I should get a medal for bravery uh, instead. He says, we all make mistakes. Fantasia was one, but it was an honest one. I shall now rededicate myself to my old ideals. <laughs> uh, even though, as you pointed out, um, he, he shared with two other people a, a Special Academy Award for the uh, uh, Fantasound. And, uh, you know, he was just, uh, he said, this is a vote of confidence from the whole industry. And he's crying through the whole thing. He goes back and he sits down. And uh, actress Norma Shearer, who was um, Irving Thalberg's widow, came over and gave him a, a little kiss to comfort him. And uh, the Thalberg Award isn't like a, a regular Oscar. It, it's sort of a bust of Thalberg's face. And uh, she didn't like, uh, Walt was the fourth person to ever get the award, didn't like the bust, so she paid herself to have a, an entirely new one sculpted. And so she sent it uh, uh, to Walt and the, the previous three winners. Um, so Walt actually may have two Thalberg <laughs> uh, awards, in, including a limited edition uh, special one uh, uh, there in in his connection in his collection. But um, Walt didn't just win awards; he he helped other people. You know, of course, uh, uh, win awards. Uh, you know the story behind Song of the South and the award. Uh, I the only thing I know is that it has to do with with James Baskett, who played Uncle Remus. Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, what happened is Walt was just so pleased with Baskett's performance in, in Song of the, the South. And, and in fact, even though there was controversy surrounding the film, just about every critic said, you know, this guy's given a sure. terrific uh, 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 performance. You know, he's, he, he's so warm and he's so funny and it's so natural. It, it, it's everything that you think, you know, in terms of, of, uh, of acting. But, but again, remember, this is... Uh, 1947, 1948, and uh, so uh, the, the odds of an African American man winning an Academy Award uh, were pretty extreme uh, in, in those days. Uh, even though uh, Hattie McDaniel won an award for playing uh, in uh, Gone with the Wind, but it was a Best Supporting Actress award. And then the sad thing was, was she goes to the uh, Oscar banquet, and she and her husband are sort of marginalized from you know the rest of the group, uh, and that's the way it was in, in those days. But Walt wrote a personal letter uh, to uh, Jean Hersholt, who was the president of the Academy at, at that time, about all the reasons why Basquet should get an award and, and all of this. And then uh, Disney uh, leveraged his friendships with, with other people. Hedda Hopper did a whole campaign and, and all of that. And so sure enough, on... Um, uh, on March 20th, 1948, uh, James Basquet received a um, honorary uh, Oscar uh, for his uh, able and heartwarming characterization of Uncle Remus, friend and storyteller to the children of the world. It was presented by Ingrid Bergman. And uh, so he was the first African-American uh, male to receive an Academy Award. Uh, Sidney Poitier, of course, won the first competitive uh, Oscar in 63 uh, for Lilies of the Field. And uh, tragically, how However, and, and this may be one of the reasons that Walt was lobbying so hard, is uh, Basquet uh, died of um, heart problems and complications from diabetes about uh, at the age of 44. So, uh, 
uh, just five months after getting that that Oscar. But boy, that that that, that was really nice. In fact, there's a story about Walt gave away an Oscar once. Well, the only thing going back to to James Basket yeah. and the award is that is, I think, one of the unfortunate things about Song of the South not being out for release and probably never going to be released again and again because of that controversy that that you alluded to is. Not only is his such a wonderful character, such a redeeming character, but his performance is so good, uh, and he tells such great stories that it's unfortunate that most people will probably never get to see it. Well, you know, his performance was so good that Walt, during production, signed him to additional pictures, figuring that he would do uh, a sequel or two sequels as Uncle Remus, and so had the animation department, you know, developing other. Um, uh, possible storylines uh, for that, but you know, with the Academy Awards, you know, it, it's interesting because they're honoring the art and and something outstanding. And I think the, this is a, a real uh, example of that. But uh, you know, at the time, sometimes people can't uh, see the art. You know, uh, even in the '40s, Walt was worried about the environment. You know, and that the frontier was disappearing. And so uh, he had uh, Alfred and Elma Malott, who uh, owned a, a camera shop up in Alaska, and he figured that was one of the last frontiers. And he said, I'm going to pay you personally, just go out and shoot everything about Alaska. You know, shoot the Eskimos, shoot businesses, logging, the, the whole bit. And so they would send him back literally hours and hours of film. And Walt said, well, I like the bit about the seals. Go back and just film seals, but don't show any human involvement. And then that stitched it together as Seal Island. But in those days, RKO was um, distributing the Disney films, and they said... We're not, nobody wants to see a nature film and, and to make it worse it was 27 minutes long which was longer than the usual short uh, you know at, at, at that time which ran closer to 15-20 minutes and um, uh, they said and besides when people see the name Disney they're going to expect a cartoon there's no cartoon seals in this whatever you know we're not going to uh, take a chance and throw you know you're Walt Disney but this is a waste of money and so Walt um uh, leveraged his friendship with the uh, person who ran the Pasadena Crown Theater in Pasadena, California, uh, to show Seal Island for one week in December uh, so that it would qualify for an Academy Award because that's one of the things that has to happen is it there, there's all sorts of uh, uh, requirements. One of them is it has to be shown in, in a major theater for X amount of time to, you know, and, and, and those uh, things uh, change, but it all has to be shown before the end of December. So it can be qualified. And not only did it qualify uh, for a nomination, but it won the award. And so the very next day, Walt took the Academy Award into his brother Roy's office, and he says, here, Roy, take this over to RKO and hit him over the head with it. (laughs) And so confronted with the Oscar, uh, RKO released... uh, you know, Seal Island, and, and again, the True Life Adventure series began and was very popular, but then when Walt wanted to do a feature-length True Life Adventure series, uh, RKO said, no, that, that's, that, we were wrong about that, but we're right about this, this is insane, <laughs> and, and that's the time that uh, the Disney company started the uh, Buena Vista distribution uh, uh, company, just uh, uh, to do that. Um, 
You know, I, 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 the the thing with this uh, uh, tux here is, you know, it, it's really uh, binding. And I didn't even get any marzipans this holiday season. You, there are no marzipans in Central Florida. I remember going to Billy's Deli in in um, uh, in Glendale, California, in, in marzipans for Christmas, and they had these uh, big shortbread, uh, round shortbread cookies with this big glob of, of dark chocolate in the center, and then they had these, uh, I, th- I think they're called Linzer tarts or whatever, where, where they're these cookies, and in between there's the raspberry <laughs> jam, and there's the powder, you know, and uh, so when people say, what do you miss about, uh, you know, do you miss Hollywood? Do you, I miss that that type of food, and In-N-Out burgers, and, and, and uh, uh, all of that, so... Uh, Jim, I'm usually the one that people say, somehow, Lou, you turn everything into food. You just talked about a discussion of Walt Disney and his True Life Adventures and the Oscars into food, but I will tell you, what else they're missing in Florida is good bagels and good pizza. Oh. It's the water. So it is definitely the water. But, it, it, but So what I'm saying here how is... How did I get it, so heavy? I have no, no idea. No, no, no. What, I, what I'm saying here is, uh, you know, a, 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 again, it's one thing standing in the tux, but sitting down in the tux, you know, it's pressing against there and it's crying out. Why don't we take a little break, grab a bite to eat, and, and we'll finish this up because I've got a lot more stories to tell. Okay? Sounds good. <laughs> As you probably can tell by the background sound, we've moved outside of the animation gallery out into uh, the main central courtyard here by the crossroads of the world because, Jim, in a brilliant segue of one place to another, and by brilliant I mean completely accidental, we are sitting across from Oscars Super Service Station tying it again to our conversation about Walt Disney and the Oscars. And, uh, yes, because, again, Oscars Super Service uh, references the uh, Academy Awards. And we were thinking, as long as we're in the tuxedos, why are we holed up in that little area that nobody is paying any attention to? We might as well come out where we can just show off and preen like uh, 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 peacocks. Uh, One of the things that uh, we didn't mention, however, while we were in the animation gallery is when you take a look at those uh, Academy Awards, take a look very closely at the bottom of the little plaque. If you've got those uh, sharp eyes or your magnifying glass, it'll show you that these are duplicates. Uh, Once upon a time, there were originals, um, but the originals are now at the Disney... uh, uh, family Museum. Well, I think that weren't there, there were a couple that were originals, but I think for the most part they're duplicates. Again, the one on the top we think is the original, the one that he received from Mickey Mouse, and I think we saw maybe one other one that was maybe an original. Uh, yes. So, so this will be a fun game for you and your family to uh, uh, do in, in your uh, uh, spare time. You know, Walt didn't just um, receive Oscars. He actually gave Oscars. At the 1953 Academy Awards, he was... Uh, uh, presenting the music awards, you know, in, in 37 he had presented short subjects, and in 43 he presented the uh, Thalberg Award to uh, Sidney Franklin. Uh, but the first time that the Academy Awards were broadcast on TV was on NBC in uh, 1953, and so they wanted to, you know, really have a good show. Uh, so uh, Bob Hope was the was the MC. And uh, he introduced uh, uh, Walt, and he said, "It's, it's, uh, you know, Walt is the perfect person to give the music award because of all of his work on, on Fantasia and and all the the music for his uh, uh, pictures." And uh, Bob literally said, uh, "You know, 
Uh, Walt had to fight his way through all the Oscars in his living room to get to our stage tonight, but he made it here tonight. And so Walt got up there, but, uh, you know, a lot of us don't realize that Walt was very shy. You know, we always see him on TV, and he seems, you know, very friendly and outgoing and all that, and that certainly was part of his personality, but he was also uh, very shy, and he got up there, and he was just, you know... um, mangling the names uh, of the songs and and uh, uh, the composers. I don't know whether it was nervousness or whatever, or just because some of the names were, were tough, like Dimitri uh, Tiomkin, who did uh, uh, High Noon, you know, uh, all of that. So he never got asked back to be a presenter after that. But in the following year, 1954, huge milestone at the Academy Awards for Walt. He won four Academy Awards. Uh, he won uh, Best uh, Cartoon Short Subject, which was Toot Whistle Plunk and Bloom, Boom, uh, Best Documentary Short Subject, The Alaskan Eskimo, the Best Documentary Feature, The Living Desert, and the Best Two Real Short Subject, uh, Bear Country. And uh, once again, uh, Bear Country was up against one of my favorite little featurettes, Ben and Me. Um, now, I, I had the, the great opportunity to uh, interview uh, Disney legend Ward Kimball uh, a, a couple of times. And in fact, one of the reasons I love doing these podcasts is I feel a great responsibility that I got to meet some of these people who are no longer here and want to share their stories. And uh, Ward always grumbled that, you know, he was nominated for Toot Whistle, Plunk and Boom, and he did show up at the awards. He wanted to go up and collect the award. But Disney publicity talked to him and said, well, you know, Walt's nominated for four. We think the odds are Walt might get more than one award, and it would make a better show if Walt went up there and, and picked them up each time. And uh, Kimball uh, grumbled, and he says, you know, they were absolutely right. It was a good show all four times he went up there uh, to get that. In fact, when Walt got the fourth one, he, uh, he, he basically said, uh, you know, this is very wonderful, but I think this is the year I should retire. <laughs> and so you would think, my gosh, what a, what a wonderful wonderful moment in the life of, of, of Walt Disney winning four Academy Awards. Nobody had ever done that ever before. There, there are pictures uh, you can look on the internet, uh, you know, of him holding four awards and all this. And um, he came home and his wife would not let him in the house. And it was because uh, Walt said, you don't need to come to the awards tonight. Uh, I, I, we might win one, but, you know, I, I, that's, that's about it. And she was watching on TV, and this guy won four. <laughs> so she locked him out of the house. So the publicist had to drive Walt uh, back to the Disney Studios, and Walt had a little apartment uh, there by his office. So uh, he had to sleep there uh, um, uh, overnight. So... Uh, uh, that's about it. Um, even, even Walt got sent to the couch every now and then. <laughs> that, that's very true. Because you won four Academy Awards. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, he got back in Lily's uh, uh, good graces because in the early 60s what he did um, was uh, he was going to have her a necklace made for her and each would have a little uh, Oscar charm representing each of the Oscars that he had won and on the bottom it would be engraved you know uh, for what uh, film or achievement whatever and uh, uh, when Lily found out she said she preferred having a bracelet so he had a bracelet made uh, 20 little Oscars uh, uh, on it and again he had to get uh, special permission uh, from the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences to duplicate that figure because that figure, 
is not just copyrighted but trademarked and and uh, and as we can see with the RKO story, uh, a possible weapon that you could use. That, uh, so, uh, uh, for instance, the uh, Oscars that we have uh, uh, over here at uh, Disney's Hollywood Studios, the, the duplicates, you had to get permission made. Now, one of the questions that Lou brought up to me that I didn't have an answer for because uh, nobody can know everything, not even Jim Corcus, and that was whether Disney duplicated those Oscars or whether the Academy then comes up with with uh, uh, the the duplicate, and I don't have an answer for that, and uh, so I'm not even going to. to make I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'll put myself under the potentially under the bus, and as I start to think out the answer, I would probably think that because the Academy would require even permission to create something like a piece of jewelry, maybe they would want control of how a duplicate would look. So you would have to maybe buy a duplicate from them if, if you could commission them to create one so you didn't make one that was inaccurate or they would make one that was not exactly a perfect replica there might be something slightly different so you couldn't pass it off as a real Oscar and that's Lou's story and he's sticking to it why not you know but but again uh, I, I really want to emphasize you know because I never want to come across as as this big uh, uh, know-it-all because I, I I've I've run into people like that because oftentimes I'll run into people who want to go up against the uh, uh, fastest gun in town and so <laughs> so, so they want to go you know you were wrong on, on such and such you know or or you didn't know that and and they're they're always shocked that with a great big smile I say well thank you very much you know right. I, I, right. I, I, I I'd, I'd, I'd really like uh, to know more about that and those of you who are listening to these podcasts uh, you know uh, you may have that one piece of information Information we never have, so please make sure you uh, uh, you write in into the comment comment section so that so that other people can uh, uh, share that information too and uh, uh, do that. Um, you know, w- when we talk about uh, uh, Walt winning individual personal Oscars, there were some that just you know the Disney Company uh, won, like Mary Poppins is the only feature film Walt ever produced that was nominated for Best Picture. And Walt always said, well, I knew we weren't going to get that one because, uh, you know, we're really not uh, part of Hollywood. Uh, they think of us out in the cornfield in, in Burbank. But uh, Mary Poppins was nominated for uh, uh, 13 uh, uh, Academy Awards. And uh, out of that 13, Lou, do you have any idea how many they won? I'm going to guess. But like you, I'm only human and say five. I Five is absolutely <laughs> correct. Can you name one of them? Best actress for Julie Andrews, and I know that because I had Julie on the show. And and how was Julie? How was Julie in person? Now that Julie's no longer here, you can you can give us the the uh, the whole thing. Is she as, as charming and as gracious? Or those are the, uh, it, I cannot believe you penned those two words because the two words I said it was she was incredibly charming. She was incredibly gracious. And Jim, if nobody else would have listened to that show, it was such a moment for me because of what Mary Poppins meant to me as a kid growing up. It's my favorite Disney movie. And at the end, when we were done recording and we were just chatting for a few minutes again, she was so kind with the time. And she goes, oh, no, brother. I went like, Mary Poppins, you called my name. It was like, it was awesome. It was like the first time we hugged. It was that life-changing kind of experience. And and you haven't taken a shower since, right? <laughs> no, uh, no, that, that that's uh, that's absolutely true because uh, I have friends in uh, DSA, Disney Special Activities. They do the VIP tours, 
and uh, one of them uh, hosted Julie Andrews and said, oh yes, she is absolutely one. And they don't say that about every celebrity. Uh, I, I could tell you stories, but uh, I know that WDW Radio is Disney positive, so <laughs> so those those will have to, to wait for the evil Lou Mangiello uh, 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 sites. Um, you know, uh, wh- one of the things that uh, uh, about Disney that always confuses me is, you know, how many animated films did they really produce? Because they'd go through that whole thing that if uh, the, the, a new film was coming out, they wanted to promote it as the 25th animated feature. So sometimes earlier films got dropped from, or things got added. Well, there's a Disney animated feature that says much a feature as uh, uh, Melody Time or uh, Make My Music or whatever that a lot of people forgot. It, it's called... Um, the Academy Award Review of Walt Disney Cartoons. It was released in May of 1937 uh, to bring, you know, some attention to Snow White being released. That, you know, Disney uh, look at all the excellence uh, that Disney has put into to cartoons and all of that. And it featured flowers and trees, three little pigs, uh, tortoise and the hare, three orphan kittens, uh, country cousin, and they had a narrator and title cards. And uh, then that compilation was also re-released in 1966 with. Uh, four additional shorts, uh, Old Mill, Ferdinand the Bull, Ugly Duckling, Lenda Paw. And believe it or not, there's a Japanese Laserdisc bilingual that was released in 1985. I've never even heard of it. With those. I, well, see, that's that's why uh, Jim Corcus is the Disney historian. Um, and you probably haven't heard of uh, uh, the Disney animated feature that Disney made to get out of its contract with RKO. To get out of its contract with RKO for Disney to distribute its own films, it owed one more film to uh, RKO. So what they did is they put together a feature, so you can search this on Google and all that, called Music Land. So they took cartoons from uh, Make Mine Music and they took cartoons from uh, uh, Melody Time and they stitched together an entire new feature with a new opening. They called it Music Land. They released it so that RKO could get some money from releasing a Disney film, and that was the last Disney feature released by RKO uh, before Disney started releasing uh, its own. And again, that's fallen by the wayside. You never see that appear on, on any list. But again, that's that's part of the joy of, of listening to this podcast. And and I will tell you that uh, I'm, I'm not just a, a participant in this uh uh, podcast. I'm a huge fan. I'm a huge fan personally of uh, uh, Lou Mangiello, who is one of the uh, kindest, most generous uh, uh, people I know. And uh, to let you in on a secret, we stopped recording about the Oscars in, in that room, not because we were really going to go get uh, a bite to eat or whatever, but some of Lou's many fans had gathered around and they were very respectful, but they were taking some photos, they were videotaping, so I, I could see Lou getting antsy, I knew I was getting antsy, we purposely stopped so we could go over, we could talk to them, uh, because as my parents taught me, you know, uh, things aren't important in life, people are important. And uh, uh, every time I do a, a podcast with Lou in, in, in the parks, we run into uh, Lou's fans who come up. They recognize his voice. They recognize uh, uh, what he uh, what he looks like. Um, uh, people come up to me and they go, are you George Clooney? And I go, no, I'm Jim Corcus. <laughs> and uh, they're tremendously disappointed. But um, I, I will tell you that both Lou and I... Uh, 
really enjoy uh, that interaction uh, with you, especially when you come up and you say, I love those podcasts. You know, I, I've shared those with, with so many of my friends. That's one of the reasons that we put in uh, uh, so much time. This, this seems so smooth, but Lou and I do an awful lot of research. We come together, we talk, we walk the area, and then we do the uh, uh, podcast so you don't get any fluff. You get all the, the solid stuff. Thank you uh, very much, as always, for all of your support. We always look forward uh, uh, to seeing you. And, you know, I, I think it's almost about time for the Oscars. It is. And, and I want to, and you were very kind, uh, I want to sort of finish this up and sort of wrap this up with a question for you, you know, because we talk about Walt and about his accomplishments um, and the records that he had set with the Oscars as far as the number of his nominations and the personal and you you talked at the very beginning about how the Oscars were created to honor movie making the art of movie making and you know Walt said he goes I I didn't make pictures just to make money I make money to make more pictures Mm -hmm. and I think that's very much a testament to the artistic uh, the artistry that it takes to create the films that he did and with all the films that that he made and the nominations he had and, and the awards he won do you ever think that could be duplicated? Do you ever think that those records could be surpassed? Well, you should never say never, of course, but I, I would say that that's uh, highly unlikely. You know, and uh, I'm old enough to have, have lived through so many people being trotted out as the new uh, Walt Disney. At one point, Don Bluth was going to be the new Walt Disney. There are people today who don't even know who Don Bluth is. Uh, I think Jim Henson had, had a good... Uh, uh, a chance at that if he, if he had uh, uh, some more years. Although the, the films he made didn't have that. If you take a look at his short film Timepiece uh, that he made and a couple of other things, if he had been out of uh, the restrictions of, of handling a business and just into the art, uh, who knows what, what he could have uh, done. But... Um, you know, even uh, uh, Steven Spielberg, who is probably one of our most uh, uh, awarded and recognized uh, directors, and, and there are Steven Spielberg films I absolutely love. Raiders of the Lost Ark, I could, if I had to take a film to Desert Island, that'd be one I'd take because I can watch it over and over and over. But even he doesn't come close uh, to Walt Disney. Walt Disney truly was one of a kind uh, you know uh, just the most amazing man and I will say that after decades of researching his life and talking with other uh, people you know he's just more uh, uh, amazing uh, to me and what's amazing even more is that thanks to the internet thanks to all the communication we have uh, just within the last year or two we're discovering even more about Walt Disney that we never even knew but I can't think of a filmmaker out there who is producing um, the way that Walt Disney does, whether it's in animation, whether it's in live action, whether it's just in film uh, in general. Uh, you know, even uh, Hanna-Barbera, who won so many Academy Awards for their animated shorts, didn't even come close to what Walt uh, did with animated uh, uh, shorts. When, when you come to the filmmakers and every film, had Disney's imprint, whether it, it was produced by Bill Walsh or it was was written by uh, whoever, Walt's thumbprint was all over all of that, and 
that was always the secret to Disney was uh, Walt. And that, that's what I was saying yeah. is that no matter what the company produced, there was always a bit of Walt mm-hmm. in in it. And I think you're right. And I, and I think you know Walt was more than just a filmmaker and a storyteller. He was more than an icon. Um, because his storytelling went so far beyond the confines of just movie making alone. Again, Lou, abs- absolutely uh, uh, correct. Um, and I think Walt would have loved some of the movies that, that are out there now. I, I, I got a chance to see The Artist at the Enzion. And if, when you come out to Florida, you should probably go to the Enzion. It's a movie theater that uh, was an old house, and it's got tiered seating and carpet, and you got the round tables, and you got the rolly chairs, and they bring you out gourmet food and uh, uh, all of that, and you get to see these things. I saw the artist, absolutely magnificent filmmaking. I saw it with my friend uh, uh, Greg Airbar and, and his daughter, and we're both highly critical about story and film we had nothing days later we were still talking about how great it was and all the things that were there and i think walt if he had lived would have pushed further because i remember him once uh, uh, telling his uh, son-in-law ron miller they were watching um uh gosh the gregory peck uh, uh, uh movie to kill a mockingbird and walt said i wish we could make films like that and i think if walt had uh, had lived he would have found a way to have a little niche part of Disney making films that would have amazed us. And do you think, and I know it's, it's, you can't sort of imagine what Walt would think, but do you think the, the Disney company is doing that and again? Do you think the Disney company is, has started to or has been making films like that again? Or you know, does the, does the uh, imprint of some of the creative people that are now part of the company, like a John Lasseter, not that he is the second coming of Walt Disney, but does he have that too? Does he have that sort of same belief in the importance of story and maybe is putting a little ghost of Walt's imprint on new movies? Well, we'll have to, uh, we'll have to, to see, you know. Uh, I, I don't think there's a strong personality. Walt was a, a very strong personality. I don't think there's a strong personality behind all of Disney filmmaking now that that uh, yes there may be a, a a really good film released but that has no relationship to what uh, another film was released and and again I think a lot of other fingers are in the pie that sometimes films are being made not because they're a good film but because of merchandising potential or uh, uh, synergy potential to to, to connect it with, with the parks or, or other Disney projects. And, and again, I don't deride that. That, that. that can be absolutely fine, but you still need to have a good film. You can't make it just for the merchandising. You can't make it just uh, for those synergy uh, connections. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, John Carter is coming up, you know. Uh, is that going to be a, a, a hit? Is that going to be a big franchise? Or uh, is that going to be uh, a disappointment like uh, Prince of Persia? Nobody ever sets out to make a bad film. <laughs> Nobody ever says, well, you know, I got $40 million here. I'm just going to blow it on the worst film with the worst story and cast the wrong people into it. And uh, everybody sets out, uh, even Ed Wood, to, 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 to make the best possible film. But you really need to have a vision. Walt had a vision. I don't know, um, and, and I'm serious, I, I don't know, I'm not being critical. I don't know that there is a strong vision or one person with a strong vision in the Disney Film Company now. 
uh, I'm hoping that there will be. I'm hoping that there will be because I want to see Disney succeed. I want Disney to, to last forever and ever and ever, you know. Uh, after Jim Corcus is gone, I want Disney <laughs> to go on, you know. Uh, that, that's, that's about it. And uh, I don't even know if Disney has any, well, they haven't, uh, uh, whether there's going to be nominations for Disney films and uh, if Disney's going to win any of those uh, uh, this year, you know, you never know. You never know. Well, I can. Uh, we can probably say that there will probably never be, and there never should be, uh, another Walt Disney. Certainly, there could never be another Jim Corcus, um, and I'm not sure if that's a good or bad thing. But there'll never be another Jim Corcus, who, by the way, is not only a frequent contributor to the show and Celebrations Magazine, but he is, of course, the author of The Vault of Walt. Highly, highly recommended uh, for any Disney fans library. I'll put links in the show notes for this week to where you can pick it up on Amazon and paperback or a Kindle version. Um, Jim Corcus is always a lot of fun. You know, I love being able to sort of uh, look at the parks and the details and the stories, but sometimes step outside a little bit and we sort of tied in the Oscars that we found uh, referenced and, and seen throughout the parks and to a, talking a little bit about Walt too and I, and I like making sure that we all really don't ever forget that it really did start with Walt Disney so uh, always enjoy doing this you have to come back again I promise not in a tuxedo <laughs> I've already taken off the cummerbund here <laughs> yeah security's on its way <laughs> yes uh, uh, to roll me back into the ocean now I, 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 one last thing I would say to your readers is you know celebrate the Academy Awards uh, uh, this time or any time, pull out some of those uh, Academy Award winning films, especially from the time of Walt, and uh, have your own little uh, film marathon. Or even pull out some films, Disney films, that you haven't seen in a while or you never saw. Uh, I, I will tell you, I, I had great fun uh, a month uh, ago uh, pulling out uh, Summer Magic by Haley Mills to take a look at it because I was writing an article about Summer Magic references on Main Street in... Uh, Osh Popham! I love Osh Popham! Oh, Osh Popham is only one of several Summer Magic references on Main look Street. Look how wide your eyes got when you said that. Because <laughs> it, it was so exciting. Maybe this is a future podcast. But but again, I hadn't seen Summer Magic in, in quite a while. And, and it's it's a fluff of a film, but it's so nice. And, and the Sherman Brothers... Uh, uh, songs and Haley Mills, I don't think has has ever been uh, 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 prettier, you know. And uh, she was nominated for an Academy Award for that one. So uh, pull out some of those and, and enjoy. They they shouldn't just be on your uh, uh, shelves, just like stories. They should be pulled out and enjoyed. Lou, a pleasure. And uh, all I've got to say is, let's go to the movies. Awesome. Thanks again, Jim. Hey. This past Saturday, February 11th, 2012, we marked and celebrated the actual five-year anniversary of WDW Radio to the day when the show started back in 2007. On that day, we spent a five-hour adventure in the Magic Kingdom doing tasks that were chosen by and voted on by you, as well as a couple of roadblocks here and there, with a day that was really filled with some true Disney magic, not just for us, but the things that we were able to do for others, thanks to you and your suggestions. And I think that shows 
so much about the spirit of Disney in this community and in this WDW Radio family. After the five-hour adventure, we had our meet of the month and five-year anniversary party over at Baby Cakes in downtown Disney. We announced the winners, plural, of the trivia contest, thanks to Mouse Fan Travel. We're going to talk more about the day's events and the party and the trivia contest soon. We're also going to link in this week's show notes to clips that you can watch over at Ustream if you missed any of the action live on Saturday. Most of the five hours should be there. But in addition to announcing the contest winners, I also had three other announcements that I wanted to share with you in case you weren't there to catch them live. The first announcement is about the WDW Radio iPhone app. Uh, I launched a, a free app about two years ago that gave you easy access to the shows, the forums, the blogs, and some other content. Uh, when uh, Apple released iOS 5, it uh, it broke my app, and uh, the Android users probably quietly giggled a little bit inside because up to that point, there was no Android version for them. So the first announcement I made is that we have been developing a brand new app redesigned from the ground up that has more features, a better interface, more links, and lots, lots more to it. And best of all, it's going to have a price tag of free. And maybe even better yet, Android users and others, you can rejoice because it will also be available on other platforms, including Android. So stay tuned for more information about the exact release date, which I promise is coming very, very soon. As long as we're sort of keeping in the spirit of Disney and trying to make what we have even better, uh, I also announced something else that we've been working on for some time as well, that as part of the five-year celebration, I'm going to be launching an all-new WDWRadio.com website. Again, redesigned from the ground up to give you easier access to more content, better navigation, better content, easier ways to find the things that you love and that you're looking for, and a better overall experience on the site. It should actually be live probably on Tuesday, February 14th, which is Valentine's Day. I will say to my wife, look, honey, it's the gift that will literally keep on giving all year long. Again, stay tuned to Twitter and Facebook. I'll announce when that uh, conversion takes place. But again, look for the new site. Probably start propagating on Tuesday, February 14th. And then I saved what I think uh, was the biggest announcement for last. And in the past five years, I've been blessed with the ability to wake up every day feeling like it is Christmas morning to me because I'm doing something that I love so much. I'm sharing something that I'm so passionate about with other people. I continue to meet so many great friends as I have over the past five years, and I'm privileged to have had the ability to meet and interview and in some cases even befriend people whose work I've admired, enjoyed, and in many cases grew up with. And looking back on five years and picking a favorite is tough because I love every show for different reasons. And when I look back on the past five years, I will talk about some of my personal favorites, but there are a few that really stick out and resonate and I still enjoy listening to because of the stories that they shared with me and with you. And so as we're getting ready for our next WDW Radio cruise on the Disney Dream, November 4th through the 8th, I really wanted to make it even better, even more special than the first one, which admittedly for me personally was the best 
Disney experience I've had in the past eight years of doing this since going back and writing my first book. So I thought of bringing someone on who could make it something really special for those of us who are going on the cruise together. And when I looked back at the lists of guests that I've had in the past five years on WW Radio, one name for me sat right at the top of that list. And I always tell you at the end of the shows and on Twitter and Facebook to to dream big because that's what I do every day and that's what I did here. I reached out to the person that I would love to have on there as a fan and whose work that I really enjoyed and is now somebody who I call a friend. And I asked if there was any interest in joining us on the cruise. And I am so happy and super excited to say and share that I'm able to reveal our very, very special guest. And back at the meet, and uh, while we were broadcasting live on the box this past Saturday, I gave people watching and at the meet three clues, three single words to try and give them a clue, sort of play a little game with them along the way to see if they could figure out who the guest was. And those three words were sugar, birds, and small. And I wanted to see if anybody could make the connection between those three. Did you? What if I said a spoonful of sugar, tiki birds, and small world? Now can you make it? Because if you connected the music from Mary Poppins, the Enchanted Tiki Room, and It's a Small World, chances are the name Richard M. Sherman of the Sherman Brothers came to mind, and he is our very, very special guest on our cruise. And again, I am super excited as a fan first for him to join us and plans are already underway for him to share his stories, his music, and so much more with all of us who are part of the WDW Radio group. He is sailing with us, with the WDW Radio family and the experiences and surprises that we're setting up are only going to be available to those who book as part of our group. And if you're interested in, in coming or you've been thinking about coming, there's still availability in a variety of cabin categories. You can still go get a no-obligation quote, find out something that you can do. Uh, you can also get more information by visiting www.radiocruise.com. I will tell you that the ship is filling up fast, even faster since the announcement this past uh, Saturday. So if you are interested, I suggest going to www.radiocruise.com right now. Again, I am so very happy to be able to share with you, and I hope that you can join us for an experience that is going to be unlike anything else in a very unique setting, which is going to afford everybody a personal experience for all of us. Again, it's limited to our group, not the entire ship, which is going to really make it something special. Again, those dates, November 4th through the 8th, 2012. I hope you can join us. Hope you go back. Listen to my interviews with Richard Sherman. I'll post them in this week's show notes over at www.radio.com. The first one was show number 80 a number of years ago. That still, for me, is my favorite episode of the show and my favorite interview uh, among so many that I enjoyed so much. Also, one final reminder about the five-year anniversary. Please remember that there are still some limited edition five-year anniversary pins still available. Those are $10 each. The proceeds from the sales of those pins goes to benefit our Dream Team project, which raises money for the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. So know that your pin purchase is going to go to a very, very good cause. You can find out more either by visiting www.radio.com slash shop or our five-year anniversary site at www.radio.com slash the number five. Thank you again. I hope you're excited about the announcements, whether it's the app or apps, plural, 
the new website, and of course, Richard Sherman joining us on our cruise in November. Uh, here is to the past five years, thanking you so very much for making that possible for me and to the next five years and beyond. Again, my sincerest thanks for all that you have done to allow that to be possible. Your support and your friendship and by listening for all these years has truly allowed me to live my dream each and every day. And I am forever and sincerely grateful to each and every one of you for allowing me to make that happen. It's a world of laughter, a world of tears. It's a world of hopes and a world of fears. There's so much that we share that it's time we're aware. It's a small world after all. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again for taking the time and tuning in this and every week. Thanks also to my guest, Jim Corcus. Don't forget that his book, The Vault of Walt, is our current selection in our WDW Radio Disney Book Club. You can visit the blog over at www.radio.com. You can talk to Jim there in the comment section. Ask and answer questions while you're there as well. You can also find a link there to where you can purchase Jim's book right over at Amazon.com. Hope you guys also enjoyed our announcements. Look for the new site to be up probably in the next day or so, as well as the app in the next few days. And of course, Richard Sherman joining us in November. Super excited about the cruise and we'll have more information about that coming out as well. Don't forget to lots more going on on the new website. Please go check it out. Explore around. If you find any little gremlins in there, any little bugs, please let me know. You can email me with that or anything else over at lou at wwradio.com. You can call the voicemail. Be heard on the air at 407 407- 900-9391. That's 407-900-9391. Also be sure, come by every Wednesday. If you miss the five-year anniversary broadcast, we do it every Wednesday night at 7.30 p.m. Eastern over at www.radiolive.com. Now you can access it on the new site right from the homepage. Watch, chat, ask and answer questions right from there. We'll talk about this week's Walt Disney World news and lots more. You can also catch it on the blog in the iTunes feed as well. Stay tuned to the website and the events page for more information about our next Meet of the Month in Walt Disney World, as well as other special events, including the cruise. If you are going to be down for uh, the Princess Marathon the weekend of February 25th, I'll be down there cheering on members of the WW Radio running team and everybody who's participating. So please come by and say hi. We'll be out in the tents early in the morning before you guys head out to the corrals. We'll also be on the course cheering and at the finish line as well. Hope to see you guys out there as well. Big thanks again to my partners and sponsors, Mouse Fan Travel. Becky Mankin joined us for the five-year anniversary. She also gave away not one, but two Walt Disney World vacations. And whether you're going to Disney World, Disneyland, you're coming with us on the cruise, going anywhere, please go and visit Mouse Fan Travel. Becky and her team of agents really give an exceptional level of personal service. When you're coming down to Walt Disney World, maybe you want to stay at a place a little bit bigger. You're bringing the extended family. You want a two-bedroom condo, maybe a seven-bedroom home with complete kitchens and game rooms and spas and pools of your own visit all-star vacation homes when you stay right in the heart of disney world my favorite place is over at the swan and dolphin 
I do also love the heavenly beds, the Mandara Spa, but more importantly, I love the restaurants like Blue Zoo, Il Molino, and Chula's. You can visit them over at swanandolphin.com. And as always, my friends, and now today more than ever, you are my friends. Whether we have met yet or not, you have proven that to me time and time again over the past five years. All I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Let others know about it. Tweet out that you're listening. Share links to it on Facebook or Google Plus or Pinterest. And please come by, rate and review the show over in iTunes. Very, very much appreciated. And like I said, I really do wake up every day feeling like it is Christmas morning with that same level of excitement to sit down and start working because I love what I do and I want you to do the same. And if you aren't, start taking steps towards making positive changes in your life and believe all the time and always, always keep moving forward. Thank you again for listening to the show for the past five years and everything that you have done to make this WW Radio family so very special to me and others. So until next week, I hope you have a great, great week, everybody. Thanks again. See ya. Hi, Lou. It's Emma calling from a cold and snowy UK here. I just wanted to call and wish you a very happy anniversary. I can't believe that WTW Radio started five years ago. I was so late in discovering your podcasts. I remember starting to listen around the time of the Julie Andrews interview in July 2009. Um, in fact, I bought my first iPod just so I could download and listen to your shows. So, my top five shows. It's hard to pick favourites out of so many, but I think it would have to be, in fifth place, show number 202, Exploring the UK Pavilion. I think you know why I picked this one. Obviously, it had to be in my top five. It was a dream come true to spend the morning in Epcot with you, recording this show and uh, looking at the pavilion in such new detail. So, uh, a great experience. In fourth place would be show number 200, and that's the 200th episode celebration. Um, I was so lucky to escape the UK again from snow um, and be in Walt Disney World in December 2010 for the 200th episode party. Um, this show just like brings back so many memories of meeting some great people and being out of the box and actually seeing the box in action. So that's definitely a favourite show of mine. And uh, in third place, it has to be show number 193 with Alice Davis. Um, that show made me laugh and cry. She's such a wonderful lady. And I feel like she kept you on your toes because you didn't know what she was going to come out with next. So that was a great show. In second place is show number 204, um, which is the review of Blue Zoo at the Dolphin. Um, I think we all know that you had a really good time and you really love that restaurant. And uh, I think us listeners got the chance to hear you have a, quite a new experience at that restaurant. So that's cool. And in first place, um, with plenty of honourable mentions and go with me here, um, is all the top ten shows with Tim Banana, Bananas Foster. Um, 
I love the top tens with you two, um, the banter, you just make me laugh. Um, it's really difficult to pick one, but if I had to pick one top ten with Tim, um, it would be show number 75, top ten smells of Walt Disney World. Yeah, this um, this show sums up why I love Walt Disney World Radio. Um, until listening to this show, I never realised that there were so many other people out there who uh, knew that there were so many smells in, in Walt Disney World and that the water actually smells. Um, and when I smell certain things, it takes me right back there. So, um, you know, that's why I love WDW Radio. So that's it for me. They're my top five shows. Um, thank you, Lou, for all your dedication and hard work bringing us the shows every week. And here's many, many, many more years of WDW Radio and Lou Mangello. God save the Queen and see ya. Happy anniversary, Lou. This is Kayla. Have a great day. Have a great day. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. Bye. Hi, Lou. This is uh, Tony from Illinois, also known as DisneyFan316 in the box. And I'm calling, first of all, to wish WDW Radio a happy fifth birthday. I look forward to the uh, celebration in the Magic Kingdom on the 11th. And uh, secondly, I want to say that I look forward to joining the WDW Radio run team because I've decided I'm going to run the 5K this coming January. I'm going to get myself back in in shape because I haven't done any running since I left the Navy 10 years ago. Thank you for everything you do and making Wednesday my favorite night of the week. You've got a-